The following podcast contains subject matter that may be unsuitable for more sensible viewers. Views expressed here do not reflect that of any community that you would want to be a part of. Listener discretion is mandatory. Mama, what this chickens me? No, 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 no! Okay, I guess we'll get going now. Hello, hi, welcome to Tranifesto. You all know this song and dance by now. Hi, I'm Madeline. What if we have new listeners, Madeline? That's true. Okay, yeah, let's try that again then. Hi, and welcome back to Tranifesto. Yes, Tranifesto. Or welcome back. They're new listeners. They're not coming. Oh my god! Welcome here for the first time to Tranifesto. Fuck off. There we go. They're not going to know the narrative. They're not going to know. Okay. There's been so much character development since the first episode. Are Tran. This show is called Tranifesto. It's a podcast. A podcast (laughs) is. This is an auditory medium. I have a face for podcasting. That's why I do this. So you're you're listening to something and the sounds are like vibrating the bones inside of your A lot like your Hitachi. Yeah. Oral canal. Yeah. It's uh, ear fucking, basically. So welcome to the ear fucking. I'm one of your hosts, (laughs) Madeline Hobbs. I am joined today by... I'm Amy. (laughs) And I'm Re. Hello, Amy and Re. That's us. So, yes, uh, welcome to the show. If this is your first time, um, I'm sorry for the horrible life decision you've made to listen into this. If you're a repeat uh, customer, then um, you already know what you're getting into. So fuck you. Just you kidding, I love you so much. Just keep coming back for more, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you like it. You never saw Just that. listen. You like it. I know you do. You dirty whores. All right. So, <laughs> oh, fuck. You um, love so th- it. Yeah. So this week... Um, we have decided to go over... I'm actually very excited for this week, personally. Uh, regardless of queer cinema, this is actually one of my favorite movies of all time, period. Um, so I'm really nice glad... Movie, yeah, which is a nice departure from the last two. Yeah, we definitely needed to recover um, from the last two because he's an Ace Ventura. So yeah, uh, this week uh, we're going over the 1999 satirical comedy But I'm a Cheerleader. Uh, also, this is very interesting. This is going to be our first movie where we focus on uh, queerness as a whole, kind of stepping away from transness for a bit. Uh, we yeah, do want to get into about larger. Sexuality. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important. Like, we, sexuality. in our. Sexuality. Sexuality. If any of you are into ASMR, this is about putting a penis in somebody's butt. And so. <laughs> So, yeah, the we want to, as a show, kind of move on to queerness as a whole where we can. So this will be our first one focusing mostly on sexuality. Uh, lesbianism, is, lesbianism is a pretty big part of the show. It's um, the main so, part of the show. Yeah, it's pretty... Well, no, there's other... There's, there's gayness in all forms in this. Uh, but Very before we get curious. into it... There's a uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of stuff. Uh, before we get into it, though, uh, Amy's going to do a quick synopsis, just kind of bring everyone up to speed and see where we're at. Right, yeah. So our main character is played by Natasha Lyonne, um, who, now that I've seen Russian Doll, this movie has a certain strangeness to it. Is she getting typecast as a lesbian, by the way? Because she was a lesbian in Orange is the New Black as well. Oh, she absolutely is being typecast as a lesbian. I don't know if she no. is a lesbian. I don't know anything about her as an actress, but that certainly there, is. There are worse things to get typecast as. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Um, so... The main character, played by Natasha Lyonne, is Megan, who is a cheerleader and a a repressed homosexual. Um, She has a boyfriend, but she hates kissing him, and her locker is full of pictures of women, and she fantasizes about all the girls on her cheerleading team. The worst. As you do. As you do. Deep, deep in that compulsive heterosexuality, or compulsory heterosexuality. Um, And her friends and family stage an intervention with the help <laughs> of the True Directions Gay Conversion Therapy Camp, um, Vaginas where Anonymous. they confront her with the fact that she's a lesbian, even though she doesn't know that she's a lesbian, um, and sent her off to a camp to turn her into a good old straight girl. At the camp, um, they try to convert her into the life of heterosexual bliss of housewifedom 
by teaching her traditional gender norms and roles and presentation and performance and trying to teach her how to love men. And they also do the same thing for the gay boys who are also sent there. Um, but at the camp, there are all these gay girls around her for the first time. And she falls in love with one of them, Graham, who is fantastic and smokes cigarettes inside and no one seems to care. We stand. Yeah, we stand. Um, and so she starts falling for Graham. All the girls and some of the dudes go off to like a gay club with the help of Lloyd and Larry Morganborn, Morganborgan, who we'll get into. And eventually she and Graham get caught like making out, having sex by a dirty snitchy goth. All goths and are narcs. Megan gets kicked out of camp and her parents sort of leave her to her own devices because they don't want her to come back home. They don't want Whereas her Graham in the decides inside. to try to complete the therapy and convert to heterosexuality by having sex with the camp leader's well, pr- simulated sexual sex, yeah. relationship with the camp leader's son, who's like a super gay boy. So fucking but gay. And they're dressed the up end, as Adam and Eve, too. You know, Megan disrupts the ceremony at graduation with an adorable cheer um, in which she asks Graham to be with her, and they run away together to live their best happy gay life. And everybody cries. Yes, we cry. I, I actually cried. Did cry. Yeah, I, I actually cried did too. Cry. I cried multiple <clears throat> times. Yeah, no, this one hit unexpectedly hard. Yeah, like I said, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Period. I, I, I'm still trying to debate whether this is my favorite piece of queer cinema I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still certainly has like a incredibly special place in my heart. Uh, again, just before we get into the dissection of uh, queerness in this, um, as a movie though, it is beautiful like the cinematography on it is absolutely amazing all the stuff is like bright uh solid colors well, it's all these it's like all... muted pastels as well yeah and yeah, also no, too, it has a really nice aesthetic this has tied for probably one of the best soundtracks i've ever heard in a movie um in terms of just all the tracks on there stereo total is on the tra- uh, soundtrack which is one of my favorite well, the band i love i would say this is tied with josie and the pussycats movie in terms of soundtrack but as a discussion for another day can we do um, josie as an episode for josie it's like I, not it's not queer at all but it's perfect it is it's such a good movie that and spice world but we'll get to those later yes. i know spice world right so um good. it's so good but yeah like it's just the the framing of all the shots in terms of like how weird everything is um like how the faces are kind of zoomed in uh, everything like there's not a boring shot in this movie it's literally everything is framed like a picture perfectly uh, mm-hmm. And I just, I yeah, in terms of just aesthetics and appreciating it from a filmmaker standpoint, it's absolutely amazing. Agreed. Cool. Agreed. Uh, all right. So uh, diving into it now, the meat of the whole subject, uh, conversion therapy is one of the things that comes up that Amy mentioned. Uh, yeah, it's sort of the central um, plot element of the film is yeah. her being sent off to this gay conversion therapy camp where they try to turn her straight through all sorts of either disgusting or bizarre or absurd or offensive procedures and lessons nothing mm-hmm. so dark as real conversion therapy and i don't know if like no absolutely the, it certainly does whitewash yeah. the experience yeah, yeah and, no, and I, if, if you wanted to like point out a problem with it that's definitely yeah which yeah. i mean like it's also too like it's i would also argue that that's an okay omission in this in the context of this film simply because um it's trying to satirize it exactly like it's it's not meant like obviously there could be much more there's there's tons of serious documentaries on gay conversion camps also a little odd known fact uh allegedly some of uh my family actually ran a gay conversion camp in canada so that's yeah. awesome yeah i know right yeah you're canceled that, you're canceled by association well, also too there's also the association that i have with jordan peterson which is another thing that's um, another that's another story for another day yeah i am somewhat related anyways um but the whole idea of just like I like the fact that it was softened. I like the fact that this was done as a comedy. Obviously, gay conversion is a lot more traumatizing and terrible than that. Um, but I thought it was a good medium to kind of introduce the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, exactly. It focuses on its absurdity. Yeah. Um, and part of that, like, if you want, I can go through the steps. Yeah, Because please. part of the part of the movie is that as the film progresses, they go through different stages of the conversion therapy process. Um, and all of them have their own sort of I- 
ideas and absurdities. Yeah, because there was step one. Which was admitting you are a homosexual. It's like, you know, the first step of ha- like fixing your problem is admitting you have a problem. Exactly. Um, and so they all have to come to terms with their problem. Even the ones who didn't think that they were gay when they came, like Megan. Even the ones who, in fact, are straight, like Jan, for instance. Well, the um, and the part I really like, too, is the idea that in a world where you wouldn't have problems with people's sexual orientation, let's just say it was a non-issue, the idea is, is that it was through the social pressure of outside forces that she came to believe that that was an isolated thing to her and also that it was wrong. Because like beforehand, yeah. she's like, well, everyone has these thoughts. That's perfectly normal. And that's a really healthy outlook with, in terms of sexuality, at least from my perspective. It's just like, it really mm-hmm. shouldn't matter. And she was just like, oh, I'm just happy thinking of this. And everyone's like, no, it's wrong. It's wrong. And like, it's through that societal pressure that yeah. it becomes wrong. The act of it just feels natural to a person. Yeah. And like the, the process of step one for her, at least, was very traumatic. You know, she was not only forced to confront that she was different, but that she was wrong. Yeah. You know, and she has like a full on meltdown about it in front of everybody. Well, everyone happily applauds. Well, even when, um, like, when they first confront her and say she's going to a gay camp, like, they're even bringing up, like, ridiculous things where it's like, oh, you have this on your wall, you're trying to make us eat this tofu, and you're a vegetarian. Oh, yeah. Which is is very funny, which is a very big mood, like, in my family, which is like... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like, she was... Yeah, they don't have a problem with, like, my sexuality or my gender identity. It's just whenever I try to, like, order off the vegetarian menu, that's that's the only time that they have a problem. (laughs) Or the the part where, uh, where I think it was, like, RuPaul mentioned, uh, because, yeah, RuPaul's this as well um playing a playing a straight uh or like a a, a, the main um, counselor no what i'm i I myself was once a gay (laughs) now i'm an ex-gay which is funny because like (laughs) i i'm i'm not crazy about drag race but i love everything that rupaul is in like as an actor yeah totally and he also had that part where just act and not be rupaul like have you ever watched uh girl boss no That's like, it's one of my favorite Netflix shows and uh, he plays like the, just the super gay roommate or like a mm. landlord in that. But just every time I see him pop up in anything and he has like this weird post-punk new wave music career from before Drag Race, like it's just Drag Race that I don't like. Oh, that's And his very... opinions about transness. Oh yes, that is, yeah. we'll, we'll get into that. But for the sake of this movie, he's, yeah, exactly. He's a wonderful uh, camp counselor. And like the whole idea he's, of like, just super gay but repressed because he's exactly. at a gay conversion camp and and he's, he's also failing to che- teach all these boys masculinity because he has none of it himself. Yeah. Also, too, I like the fact when they're like, and I know it's like not overly subtle, but the fact like with all the boys when all like because all their stations are all gendered and stuff, and the boy stuff is like you know there's there's two bolts and a screwdriver, but they're organized to look like just dicks all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Um, fucking not subtle, but hilarious. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the whole idea of just having to admit that you're gay is probably one of the most upsetting things because, you know, there's, you don't want to have to think of yourself as different. Yeah, like, it's just like, you are who you are. It was made into this very negative thing. I mean, like, the biggest hurdle in transitioning is getting to the point of, like, getting past the point of self-denial and, like, Mm -hmm. despite what people who think that, like, trans trenders are a thing like the what like yeah one of the hardest parts is say to yourself this is what i am and now i have to go through the whole process of living that yeah yeah okay so step two is rediscovering your gender identity interesting Um, choice of words yeah for yeah exactly um and that's interesting and that sort of speaks to a broad misequation that this movie well not this movie but the camp in this movie makes between gender presentation and gender identity and sexuality so step two for the girls is basically housewife training you know lots of vacuuming and sweeping and washing dishes and learning how to keep a home and be a domestic docile subservient woman Mm -hmm. Um, because the assumption is that lesbianism comes from some kind of disconnection from the roles of womanhood like at one point status quo yeah like megan says to graham Women have roles, and if you recognize that, you would stop objectifying them, which <laughs> is what they're trying to teach them, basically. Yeah. It's this like fucked up idea that gender roles enforce sexuality. Well, and it's also the nice thing, too, because it, like, for, the, for the hats that maybe have seen that film and were seeing it kind of like as, a, as like, their first piece of queer cinema, it was also nice mm-hmm. because it showed that like, you know, 
the whole idea of heterosexuality also uh, stymies you in heterosexuality because, like, just because you are a woman doesn't mean you have to do these things. But in the context of this movie, it's like, if you are this gender, you have to do this. Which is almost like a, when I first yeah. heard, like, that uh, line, like, you know, once you just accept that there are, that gender is this, then you can stop, like, being, like, objectifying people. It's like a very, like, sort of turfy thing where it's, like, the self-contradictory, ter- like, vision yeah. of like what women are supposed to be you know what i mean mm-hmm. totally yeah it's like almost a, like pretending to be Which, feminist I mean, people do, language like of weaponize like especially people who are very regressive weaponize feminism like literally all the time like literally everybody like especially yeah every yeah. Tra- every or every That's female conservative is either explicitly anti-feminist or like saying that like oh i am being feminist by being a good trad wife yeah being feminist by standing up to the regressive left and their embrace being well, a like feminist the, by like outlying abortions and that kind of thing yeah and i mean like it's it's also too like the, the interesting thing that they feel yeah is it's just a choice to be whatever the fuck you want you can be a trad wife or you can shave the fucking side of your head and be mm-hmm. uh, the new Goro in Mortal Kombat 11, who looks amazing. Gor- <laughs> yeah, and I think that we could talk a bit more about that misequation between gender identity mm-hmm. and sexuality, since it sort of fits in here. Um, like Jan, for instance, is this character who is like extremely masculine. She's got her head shaved except for like a short mohawk and has like a mustache and sort of is very, very mask. But partway through the movie she realizes she was never gay you know she fucking loves men so jen says like in her realization that she was straight the whole time she says i just want a big fat wiener up my and then one of the gay boys says amen sister (laughs) because she realizes that like just because she was masculine she was sort of typecast in people's minds as gay and sent to this conversion therapy, and she was, like, convinced to say she was gay in step one, but she was never gay. Which is... You know, she was just masculine. It's kind of interesting to, like, also bring that to trans people, is that there is a big... What's the word? Like, there like there are thoughts around masculine trans women, and, like, you know, different oh, yeah. people... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, sort of people either have, like, true scummy opinions about that, or turfy opinions about that, or, like, whatever... And this is an example of, you know, a extremely butch... Because originally, actually, when I saw this, I wasn't sure if that character... Because I just forgot about that character. And I thought that she was presenting yeah, as a, like, um, like, trans guy. I thought that was the angle that they were going to take with yeah. that. And when she said, oh, I'm not I, well, I'm not gay, I thought it might be like, oh, yeah, I'm not gay because I'm actually a man. Like, the way yeah. that they took it is interesting because it's also, like, un- just a way that you don't think about women as being... Yeah, it's yeah. just like a radical... Like, hey, you can be, like, incredibly mouse to the point where you are ambiguous in presentation. And not in, le- not in like, a sort of, like a yeah, and not, like, in a cultivated androgynous way. Just in, a, like, a just hairy, yeah. unkept, like, jock sort of way. And I think it was really interesting how the movie subverted that. Another sort of other angle of that is, like, Megan is, like, super femme. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she's... She really did not need that much help in the whole rediscovering her gender identity thing. She's a cheerleader. She wears her hair all nice and pretty and curly every yeah, day. Yeah, she's the stereotypical, uh, stereotypical, like, good blonde girl. And, you know, that was kind of the yeah. archetype that was she just kind of slid into because she didn't know any other way. She was like the lipstick lesbian without knowing she was a lesbian. Yeah, but, like, her gender identity was never at fault. Yeah. Like, it, it's really hard to imagine that it was. And yet they still forced her to, like sweep the floor a bunch. Yeah, I think what it was was, like, I think the movie presenting the idea that, like, all of this is bullshit in terms of, like, the role. Um, like, it's, mm-hmm. like, women, I, like, even, like, taking away from queerness for a second, I think in terms of it was just saying, like, just because you're a woman or man doesn't mean that you have to be one way. You can be lots of different ways and it still makes you how you identify. Yeah. Like, um, like, uh, sorry, I keep forgetting her name, but the uh, girl with the shaved mohawk. Jen. She, uh, yeah, so she basically, she liked you know, she liked men. It was regardless, even though she was butch, she liked men. So the aesthetic of it was still irrelevant to her orientation. So step three is family therapy. And this is where we sort of experience the family dynamics that led all these kids to be in this fucked up situation and sort of implicitly criticize them. I think it did a really good job of calling out the parents being ridiculous about it. Yeah, exactly. Because it was also too, like, was it that scene in which they did the whole... Uh, root cause 
I think it was that scene because the parents got called out. Oh, yes. Yeah, so the root cause, uh, so this was something else that we wanted to get into, but uh, the root cause theory is something that's existed since the gay panic, which the idea is that you're gay because something happened. It's very Freudian. It's Freudian. It literally has its roots in Freud. And so they, in the in the scene with the family sitting around, they discuss what their root was. Like, and they had to make, and like the kids had to like make up. It's like, oh, I saw or something happened, and it's because of this. Yeah, and it's like most of them probably were just making it up. Um, certainly, Megan was because Megan yeah. had no idea because Megan doesn't have a fucking root because yeah. she's just a lesbian. That's okay. exactly. Yeah, and hers was something, like, it was an old one. It's an old stereotype. I can't believe they say this is old stereotype. I remember when these were, like, brand new. But She the whole said what idea, the counselor wanted to hear. Exactly, which was the idea is that the father was emasculated because he was out of work, and therefore because they did not adhere to the roles. Um, yeah. She no longer respects men, so therefore she doesn't respect, you know, she doesn't respect her father, therefore she doesn't respect men, and views yeah. them as sexually viable. Well, I mean, the other one was, like, my mom got married in pants, so, which is kind oh, of yeah. the same thing, but even more that was ridiculous. Very good. Yeah, that was hilarious. Well, again, it does a good job of using comedy to relay actual, because people believe this shit for the longest time. They're just like, you know, you're gay because of something that happened with the mother, well, overbearing mother. One of them was like, I grew up in France. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. Well, one thing that reminds me of is like, I think it was on the last season of BoJack Horseman. There's like a flashback to um, BoJack getting Sad like, horse. yeah, where he gets picked up by his um, dad, who's like a shitty, like misogynist guy and like talking about like, oh, you know. I'm getting, like, I'm picking up, like, I'm doing the women's role, so I hope you're not getting any ideas about gender. You know, when you grow up to be a homo, I don't want you to be prancing out on the stage in pearls singing a song called My Daddy Made Me a Fairy. Like, oh, fuck. I gotta watch that show. It's yeah, so no, good. It's the horse program. <laughs> the sad horse I, for I, sad I, people. He's a horse who has the problem of a man. Like, yeah. <laughs> what's not to love? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's tea biscuit on antidepressants. Yes, and they, like, call out... So it's like Megan sort of says, like, you know, at one point, like, my dad was out of work for a while, and my mom sort of picked up the slack, and I kind of saw her as this masculine figure. Um, And the counselor jumps up on that, and is like, oh, that's perfect. So you, when you saw your father emasculated, realized that you were no longer able to respect him, and thus were no longer able to respect men and fully identified with your mother's masculinity. And her father is just sitting there, like, looking so broken and miserable and emasculated and crossfallen. Which is, he has a bit of a redemption at the end there, but we'll get to that. But yeah, no, it was a, it was, I always hate these conversations in terms of just, like, something happened in your life that made you become like this. It's so fucking annoying and unoriginal. Oh, God, yeah. It's just like, you know, I didn't choose to become trans. I was this way, and this just happened to be how things go. there, there are interesting conversations and thoughts to be had of, like, where did my where did the first manifestations of my feelings come from like what things did i originally associate with my feelings before i understood what they were like these are interesting conversations but it's the way that these can be as long if you view either gen like gen like an atypical gender identity or sexual identity as a problem then it completely retextualize what that self-exploration is yeah and and i mean too like i remember my i I don't know for you guys but like for me i remember my first thought in terms of like gender dysphoria was i saw like i saw moms like and i remember i was very little Mm -hmm. and i was like i wanted to be a mom and i always thought that's that's a weird thought i can't be a mom why would i think that and so i would like you know when it comes to child education stuff like that i would love to see more lgbtq stuff in the system just because like that would have been great for me to know it's like oh yeah you can have these thoughts they can be normal for a guy or they could also be this it's like oh well that's nice to know there's also graham's parents there are these like super bougie white cranky conservative people who are like oh yeah you gotta get this gay shit sorted or else you're not gonna get your trust fund and you're not gonna get to go to college and well it's it's, this and that and with all the parents too it's the same kind of fear that all the kids had which is just like they will not be loved if they are gay and so yeah the kids feel they have to become not gay in order because i mean like it's scary if you're a kid looking up and like losing your parents especially at a certain age like that's like shockingly scary yeah and like that's it's not just like uh an imagined threat for them it's a literal threat for them like megan's parents literally sit her down and say you know if you don't get this shit sorted out you're gone yeah and it's scary at any age too like you know it fucking doesn't matter if you're like but it's especially scary if you're a teenager and you have nothing else and you're fully dependent on them yeah yeah because yeah like that's your family yeah 
which, um, again, I don't know if this is going to be in the next point, but that leads to uh, the Gay Support Network or the Gay Underground Railroad. Yes, let's talk about this here. So, gay Railroad. Lloyd and Larry Morganborgen and the <laughs> Underground Homo Railroad. The, the, gay, the gay Harriet Tubman's. <laughs> gay Harriet Tubman's. So, Larry and Lloyd Morganborgen um, are ex-graduates of... The, are they um, were they graduates or were they employees? Something like that. They it's were unclear. I'm not related sure. to. But yeah, so they are now living their best gay life together, off in a shack nearby, and run this amazing program where they go to each class of this camp and sneak them out at night to go to like a gay club, which is so good to like expose them to their other options and say, Hey, you know, you can have a family in the queer community, you know, this you're, you're, you can embrace this and still live a happy life. Yeah. That was actually really, uh, heartwarming for me. Cause that was actually one of the, cause this is why the movie has a special place in my heart is seeing that support and just like, cause there's, especially for like trans youth who get kicked out and they have to be, you know, it's usually like, you know, older or established queers that take them in so that we can help and get them back to where they have to go sometimes uh, sometimes in an yeah. unfortunate grooming way but yeah uh, there, that's a di- we'll, we'll, we'll focus on the yeah, positive yeah, for now but you're absolutely yeah, focus right focus on the positive yeah um but it's a good disclaimer but yeah like i felt it was very sweet even their dynamic in terms of like they had that one fight in front of the kids at one point in time that adorable fight but it was very end. like very post relationship therapy like. yeah exactly i acknowledge your feelings yeah. but i'm still upset i am listening to your truth and i am seeing you're entering your victim zone <laughs> yeah it was so good it was so sweet they were just the cutest couple and that moment too where like because i think one of the guys lair bear they call them lair bear yeah um mm-hmm. it was very sweet but yeah the um where's the my lair bear oh so cute but yeah the underground homo railroad was kind of a nice concept and honestly did exist and like it's a very good kind of remnant of like the the i mean pre yes but also post stonewall uh time where it was just like yeah. the idea of other established gays just basically living to help take care of others like networks of mutual aid and chosen family and this idea of community as filling in the gaps of a society that doesn't accept you or which is kind of an interesting consequence of like the liberalization and like the like slow acceptance of gayness because now it is easier to be a queer person like in regular society but it's still alienating but it's all it's almost easy enough that you don't need to go build a community yeah yeah you know what i mean so you don't have the community but you're still on some sense in the margins i guess it, it depends on who you are and i assume that like people either out in small towns or people of color or you know people in certain religious yeah. situations like obviously that there are degrees but... of marginalization yeah, yeah. like especially like i know in the midwest in the states like that's still a big thing in terms of just like actual support groups but keep in mind like back in like 99 when the internet and social media was just starting to kind of kick off those groups and knowing where those individual groups were uh, was imperative. Like you didn't have a lot of readily accessible message boards that you could go to, and like like nowadays you can post yeah. on Twitter. Like we have like there was hashtag crowdfunding, uh, trans crowdfunding not too long ago. Uh, so there's ways to connect online. Like we have, mm-hmm. I have my online chosen family um, that I spend lots of time with, and they mean the world to me. Hi, hi, I love you too. I don't um, believe in internet. I guess friends. I'm not just online. No, exactly. I know you IRL, but if anybody else is listening and we talk on Twitter, I love you. But it's. Like we don't parasocial me, <laughs> please parasocial me. But it's also it's it's imperative that we also remember that this stuff is still going on. It's just transformed into a way now where it's much more direct. Yeah. On Twitter, I can put out if I'm a trans kid, and usually uh, they get picked up pretty quickly and helped. But mm-hmm. we also have organizations like established, funded organizations now, um, which allows yeah. individuals. Uh, to have the resources from a from a community in that regard rather than just like the one-offs in the rainbow colored house although you still need a rainbow colored house you do need a rainbow colored house go find a rainbow colored house do drugs in it get sloppy drunk in it have bad sex in it figure out that your label for your identity was the wrong label and start using a different label and then leave and never go back. And this has been it's Amy's guide to transition. So make sure you follow her for the latest tips. On Find a colorful to... house to make mistakes in. Exactly. Be the colorful house you want to see in the make world. Make it my house, baby. So, step four is demystifying the opposite sex, in which 
you are basically supposed to expose yourself to the positive aspects of the opposite sex and try to begin to view them through a sexual and romantic lens. They do this by, like, forcing them to spend time together and talk to each other and shit. Because, yeah, and this is kind of one of those old, those myths again, where it's the situation that you're not attracted to the opposite sex simply because you don't understand them. Which is, again, a very tropey thing. And... I Which is, see, are you sending fucking yeah, sorry, if we're Ben all, Shapiro if we're all memes pausing right now? It's because right Reese fucking sending memes. <laughs> Would you just send us? It's a it's Cortez. I am ugly, and then Ben Sharpie uh, going. Objectively speaking, you are gorgeous, and then Cortez going, but I don't feel gorgeous, and then Ben going, facts don't care about your feelings. Why are you sending this to us now? Holy shit! I really wish you were committed to the podcast. But clearly, I appreciate your shitposting. I can listen and shitpost at the same time. We can't. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> anyways, yes. Anyways. So anyway, so, anyways, um, so <laughs> yes, fucking reads bullshit. Um. Step four kind of lies in this misconception that the reason you are not attracted to the opposite sex is because you have been insufficiently exposed to them, or you have built up bad associations with them um versus you just aren't into that and they i think they even try doing like uh some romantic stuff they like pair the boys and girls off and just like okay we'll try to try to understand um you know try to understand like have like a simulated date i think that was the best way to put it and it was just awkward and like the boy i think at some point time the boys were like looking at each other over the shoulders and like kind of waving at each other well this entire thing it's intercut with these montage scenes which are the like as a cat which are used as a catalyst for like the main characters and like all of the characters to become more romantically attracted to each other yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah there's also that scene too where the two boys get caught in the uh, office upstairs uh canoodling which is Mm -hmm. interesting because it was a interesting scene because so in order to fend off impure thoughts the girls i don't know i assume it's the same for the boys but are given like a small taser so if they touch themselves oh yeah i love the taser yeah i know it's, it's And the goth girl who loves pain, yeah, exactly. that's one of the things she says when she introduces herself. She spends, like, every night, all night, just shocking herself and moaning. Yeah, which we've it's all, we've all been there. When you have a... Yeah, she's like, have, what are you doing? Aversion, ther- aversion therapy? Yeah. When you have an impure thought, you shock yourself to associate the impure thought with pain. But she's, like, really into pain, and so it <laughs> yeah. just leads to this endless cycle. Yeah, but the interesting thing was when the... Uh, when, um, the the cheerleader basically like went into the office and started masturbating which also too as a side note very interesting because i cannot think of a lot of movies with female masturbation like i just obviously them porn but like like just like that kind of like it wasn't overly glorified it was basically her discovering herself in that yeah it wasn't like super sexualized weirdly that's actually something i wanted to get into like maybe we should have said like during the um aesthetic stuff but one thing this movie does really well that I don't think I've ever seen in anything else is that it's very sexual, but it is able to be very sexual, but as like the lesbian gaze without just making it repurposing yeah. male gaze, which yeah, is, yeah, which exactly. is it's such a subtle difference, but you it's obviously like f- like femme for femme like attraction rather than male gaze, which is like it's interesting to think of how that is an aesthetically different thing. Well, and I love it, and it's like it. It also made me like feel like the worst thing in my life now is that I wasn't a lesbian teenager in the nineties. Mm-hmm. But it's it is very it is very like female gazy, and that's I guess that was like it, that's a very good point. I actually hadn't thought of that that way because like to me it was oddly erotic, not in like a well. Dirty think about sense, like the like, think about the sex scene. Think about how that sex scene between um, Graham and um, the main character yeah. was um, Megan. Me- yeah. yeah, how that like, was shot. It was not- it was not a porno. It was like this emotional and um, cinematic. Like it, it cut a lot, and it was very like, like and very much from the perspective of one of the girls. And the and hands going over each other was just like the whole. Like it was the whole experience. sensual, not yeah. That's pornographic. a very good way. Yeah, sensual over sexual, and I, I absolutely loved it for that reason. Yeah, it would have, and even like when she's like fantasizing about like the the women in her like uh, inner life. Cheerleading, it's, it's, it's like it's. It's hard to imagine how, but it would have been different if it was a like directed and produced by a like si- like a 
heterosexual man. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think it was. Wait, by, it was made by a dude. Was, was no, it? no, the director was um, female. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't look. Oh, shit. Well, that's awesome then. No wonder it ruled. All right, cool. Yeah, um, no, I, 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 I looked this up. Hold on. Directed by. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Babbitt, who's a lesbian. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, then she, yeah, then they picked. Then, okay, so now that that's come to light. I did not think about this before because I did not know this, but oh, this is she's she's directed episodes of Russian Doll. So this is actually one of the so the, the fact that there is a lesbian woman directing this film is now now that I know this is something that I really want to drive the point home. We all agreed that the way that it was shot was perfect in terms of just like lesbian focus, the female gaze, the lesbian gaze on the female body, mm-hmm. and this is why it's important to have people who are part of a group that you're trying to represent involved in the project heavily because yeah like reese said because it really shows yeah like if, in subtle ways yeah because reese said like you know if this was a, a directed by a guy it would be very different and i agree it would probably be a lot more pornographic you know like there probably would have been a shower scene if we're being honest whereas this is all about like you know a coming of age discovering your body and then also discovering how that body uh feels for other people is done in a way that was focusing mostly on sensuality rather than sexuality and i think that's the big difference in terms of the two gazes right so the the final stage of their conversion therapy process is like simulated sexual relationship Ugh. where which is really where we get into the fact that the camp leader or the, the main counselor i forget what her name is um her son is rock her son rock is like fantastically gay yeah like, like and there's like an implied thing gay. between rock and rupaul's character like the entire rupaul yeah 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 um and so rock is just shockingly gay and the camp counselor basically like assigns everyone all the girls to like have simulated sex with rock and through this she's basically trying to like convert rock her son into being straight um by this weird and uncomfortable and awkward and at times almost perverse exploitation of these kids bodies it's just and it's absurd you know they have like these bodysuits and like leaves taped over their genitals it's really quite something yeah and it's the whole idea too like again with uh, tropes of the of like what people need to be do to be cured of being gay, the idea is like, well, you just haven't had good sex. It's like, well, no. I mean, to be fair, that sex with Rock wasn't exactly what I would call. No, at one point, um, like the counselor says, real men don't do foreplay. Real men get in there and get out quick. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for any men listening to the show, please fix that. That's uh, that's how you do it. Yeah, no, no, just. Hit it and quit it. Don't hit us, please. We love yeah. that. And don't quit me. Stop quitting. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, it also, when you quit like, me. But also, like that's that's like the part that probably gets the closest to like a um, like the actual shittiness of a conversion therapy. Like because yeah. that's like the point where like, you as a viewer are like the most uncomfortable. Yeah, and again, this movie wasn't meant to be serious, so obviously it wasn't going to go dark. It was meant to be. It was meant to be lighthearted. But yeah, like that moment, like you just sit there, everyone's watching, like no one feels comfortable with this. And that one, he- yeah. and the one like uh, the the head of the camp, she's just like excellent, excellent. It's like oh god. Yeah, and it really drives home the fact that these camps are trying to manipulate and control the sexualities of teenagers, and like obviously that's what they are. But it does this really effective confrontation with that fact by really sort of having this absurd scene where. It happens so plainly. Which is weird because it does imply that this Rock character is like an adult. Yeah, that too. Like how the fuck old is Rock? Yeah, like all of these characters are like 17, 16-ish. Yeah, that that is the kind of a, I would say one critical part I have, which is just like, because there's some people, like there's moment where even where RuPaul's character is underneath a car showing the boys how to fix it. And he's like, you know, there's exaggerated thrusting of the hips. And like all the boys are staring at him. The, that has to be like they at least like a 10 year like age gap there i mean yeah it's complicated because it's like when i was a young gay boy um when i was a young warthog took you into the city to see the pride parade <laughs> <laughs> never happened um, he said son will you grow up i certainly was not exactly concerned of an age gap in the people i was into that's well, I mean, true yeah well. like it, it is just it's interesting to see a like the dynamic depicted which i think in the way that this is done it's like 
the sexuality is like it's like kids are going like the the not kids like the teenagers are going to like sexually objectify older people like anyway it's just like the there was mainly the part where it was rock being the sexual like the direct sexual uh like liaison to these teenagers like that's where it got like uncomfortable for me and actually it's interesting it's interesting now that you mentioned that too because i just realized that it was always the younger boys looking up to the older guy which again we could understand like if you're young and watching porn you're gonna watch older people people anyways the older like rupaul's character never sexualized himself towards the younger boys so i thought that was pretty cool yeah no that the dynamic of the older guys was between rupaul and rock yeah they had this weird tension that they never explored as far as i could tell which is a shame because there's such a there's such a great world of traditional pederasty that they could have explored (laughs) Just traditional gayness, like the fucking They're both of age, like our Athenian forefathers demanded. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so all of this culminates towards the end of the movie, in which the cheerleader ends up getting kicked out because of her philanderings with Graham. Graham, and because she's ratted out by the goth. So the number one rule here is don't trust goths. Fucking goth. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't trust the goth. All yeah. goths are narcs. Honest, goths are just emos. Uh, Graham's character goes on with the rehab, um, does the sexual simulation, which again, uncomfortable. I hated it. And there's like a graduation ceremony at the very end where it's a graduating as being straight. And this wonderful moment, and I think this is the moment that we all teared up on, Mm -hmm. is uh, the cheerleader comes back and she ends up doing a cheer uh, professing her love for Graham. And it is just, it's so fucking sweet and cheesy. And I absolutely loved yeah, it. Yeah, I cried. And then yeah. they literally run away together. It's so good. Oh my god. It was so sweet. You know what, honestly, I would not... No, like- I wasn't expecting to cry. And also, like, part of my brain was like, this cheer, this cheer is really, like, awkward, and all these people are watching her, and she's being sort of quiet about it. But it was so sweet that my emotional response um, overwhelmed that. Yeah. Mm. And also, too, the, um, it's interesting, because I don't know if either of you played the game Gone Home. Um, but like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of parallels between this that relationship dynamic in that game and turns into the lesbianism. I heard that game brought socialism to the gaming world and tried to destroy man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, it yeah, did. Lesbian, lesbian walking simulators are going to get Bernie Sanders elected and destroy yeah. America. <laughs> Venezuela invented lesbian walking simulators. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was a it was a great way to end the movie, which is just like kind of run off into the sunset. Which again, perfect because it's a farcical movie. I don't really need much of an explanation. In terms they of- were so sweet together. It was because so- it was like their dynamic was interesting because for a lot of the movie, Graham was trying to convince Megan that she that all this conversion shit was bullshit, and she should just be herself and you know get through this for her own sake. But like this wasn't gonna like make her straight, and to try to embrace that, you know, she like pressured her to come out to the club with them and have fun and she made out with her and they had this cute romance um but in the end it actually turned out to be megan who fully committed to being a gay whereas graham decided to try to finish the program and megan came and said you know all that stuff you said about embracing who you are i want you to do that with me yeah. And, oh, it's so it good. So yeah, it made me cry too because I remember when I first had a boyfriend <laughs> when I was younger, and like the reason we broke up is because I was too scared to come out. So like I watch moments like that and I'm just like, oh, <sighs> all right. Well, I love it, and it's so fucking heartwarming and vomit-inducing wonderfulness that I fucking mm-hmm. love. So all in all, like, yeah. You know when you dated boy after you transition and you realize that you just graduated into being straight again. <laughs> The cycle continues. Uh, perfect. So um, I think all the other bi girls just canceled me. <laughs> if you're a, if you're a straight trans woman, you're a class traitor. Real real take I have seen. If you're a straight woman, come on the pod and explain yourself. The the last part too, and the one last thing I want to mention about this film is the cool like ending. Uh, where it's just as kind of a nice filmmaking come around. Uh, the parents end up going to a gay straight alliance meeting, and it's the father who goes up front and says that, like, mm-hmm. you know, hello, my name is so and so, my daughter's gay. Very much in the parallel to when the daughter had to come out in the homosexuals anonymous yeah. meeting, and just and the interesting thing of like the dad being there and trying to be supportive, 
Whereas the mums just like they super came around. ashamed. Yeah. At least a little bit they came around. And it's all it is. Like I mean there is a It's like a Marvel style after credit scene too. Yeah. There was actually a I, I I was reading this article online the other day in terms of transition and it was saying that like, you know, this is this one person's opinion is like give your you know, give your family members after you come out a year to be shitty and get everything out of your system and then after the year decide I what that. Yeah. Yeah, well A year. Exactly. But, like, I get the idea. The timing is whatever. But the idea of just, like, there is a time period where people are going to be shitty, and then you should also give them an opportunity to get better. And so a year, yes, I agree, that's a little too long. But, you know, the parents, they have to then go on their journey, which is to accept their daughter for who she is and realize there's nothing wrong with it. Overcome all their own bullshit. Go through their own conversion therapy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because that's the other thing, too, is just, like, and for cis or cishet allies, it's not just the fact of, like, accepting people for who they are. I kind of dislike that line. Um, because there's an implication that you're liking someone regardless of a negative trait. Whereas if you just, if you love someone for who they are, then there's nothing wrong and you shouldn't view it anything inherently wrong with the way that they are, be it gay, lesbian, bi, trans, anything. So uh, obviously I know my thoughts on this movie as it is, I kind of let it I kind of let it be known at the beginning of it, but is this good representation? Is this something you'd want to show to your cishet friends? Whichever one of you wants yes. to take it away. Yes. yes. And yes. Perfect. Yeah. I would agree that this is this is actually probably the first movie if someone came up to me and be like, hey, I want to sh- like it has some little issues. Yeah, little things here and there. I love it. Like the hyper the hyper gayness of, of some of the male characters, but even then, I think it's a good thing to show with your friends or family like the first time. So like if any of them, anybody came up to me and said, Hey, what's mm-hmm. a good movie to like, you know, what would you recommend? I would honestly say this movie because unlike Rocky Horror, this one is actually a bit more about like understanding things in a real world and also like for the Hets to see themselves maybe in a different light from their their views if it's, if it's a negative view. And then plus to again, the soundtrack I cannot get over is so good. I've been listening to it on repeat since I saw this movie uh, yesterday. And also, too, just the the idea of just it's something that we can all laugh and enjoy together, because that's one of the things that I want to see more in queer cinema is comedy that we can all enjoy together through universal themes, but also being represented fairly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, like, obviously, I love this movie so much, but the way that it plays the conversion therapy as like a as a foil to create some jokes and to create something light out of is really interesting because because I was thinking about the idea of doing a satirical take on something so dark and I was thinking that my first exposure to conversion therapy as an idea was do you remember the South Park episode about uh, conversion therapy no I don't really watch South Park I never watched South Park well I, I yeah I watched it a lot back when I was a kid and there was one where like Butters gets it gets sent to a conversion therapy which again it's South Park so it's a satire but it's like really dark and kids are constantly killing themselves and it's just like the entire time it's like the kids are like oh I'm so happy I'm so glad to be like be to, to be coming straight and then like next time next time you see the kid is gone because the kid killed himself in between the two scenes like like and that's like a one way to take it if you are going to like create a satirical yeah. look at it and this is like the complete opposite to like play up the absurdity rather than the darkness yeah because mm-hmm. i mean like you can absolutely and again there's been lots of examples of of the dangers and everyone's pretty well versed on what the dangers of conversion therapy are um it's sometimes humor is the medium that helps the medicine go down which is that you know, it makes it easier to swallow. Sometimes it's like you want to watch something like this as opposed to like a documentary on the actual lives and impacts. Because we all know conversion therapy is just awful, especially to kids. Like, it's terrible. So I like the idea that they took the satirical look through the eyes of uh, gay conversion therapy because you can start and to laugh at it. And gave the kids a happy ending. Exactly. Yeah. Which is what I wanted. This is like, there's a lot of fluff to mm-hmm. this movie and that's perfect. Like, it's exactly what I wanted. And it's a feel-good movie, and it doesn't matter how many times I watch this, it's always going to be probably one of my top three favorite movies of all time. Oh, and Madeline, I wanted yeah. to uh, check to see if you also felt this, because when we're like, I said, especially the scenes where all of the like characters are talking, and they try to get like one, uh, one of every type of gay in there, and it reminded me of the outpatient clinic from after uh, getting bottom surgery. Oh, yeah. Oh, where it, yeah. Right? Where you're like in like the old, an old house with like one of every single different type of gay. It's so true. I remember like yeah. getting out there. Like I remember my roommate was like this really high, high femme 
uh, Korean girl who just like had this amazingly high pitched voice and played like League of Legends the entire time we were there. Um, and one of my friends that I met there was like this hippy dippy chick named Tara. Um, and then there was like another time, like I went downstairs and there's a, there was an older trans woman there. Um, and I walked into the living room where she was meeting her, I assume her wife. I think that was what she said. And I turn around and there's, uh, two, uh, other trans women sitting with collars and, uh, cat ears. And apparently that were the pets. So like I said, one of every type oh, of trans, uh, so good. Yeah. Oh, we're such, we're so, we're such a stereotype. Oh, it's so good. I, um, so yeah, thank you all again for joining us. As always, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, the show has been going on for a couple episodes now. Thank you all again so much. Uh, also, to uh, some housekeeping stuff, thank you very much to the people that actually donated recently to the show. Um, your donations have meant the world to us. I was exceedingly... We love you. It was great. Like We're almost at a place now where I can pay for a year of hosting uh, through donations alone, which is amazing, and I cannot thank you all enough. It, I cried when the money came in and I got the note. So thank you again mm -hmm. so much for that. Uh, to all the people that retweet us, um, the horror podcast community that somehow is we're friends with, we absolutely fucking love you people. And just, yeah, everybody, you've been absolutely sweet. All the messages we get. This project was supposed to just start off as a drinking uh, show between all of us just to have a good laugh and it's ended up becoming it something more. It still is that. It is. It is. I've moved on to weed, but it is. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, thank you all again for that. Um, also, too, we are working on the Patreon stuff, the Discord server's being looked into, as well as, um, I'll break this on here, we've started sending some sample, sending in for some samples for some merch that we're looking into uh, for Patreon rewards, which we're very excited about, and if all goes well, then in the next uh, month or two, we'll have everything up, and we'll have some giveaways for everybody, which I'm super, super stoked on. Yeah, I think that's about it, so... To close off, um, as always, I'm Madeline Hops. I am rabbit underscore is dead at uh, Twitter. Um, I'm just mostly working on the podcast these days, making sure things are where they need to get to, and finalizing my move. I'm Amy um, at Lavender Ashtray on Twitter. I just finished my semester, so I am feeling enormous relief, and I'm about to go on a romantically motivated adventure to Amsterdam. Oh, so go get that's fucked! Good time. Thanks. Um, so I'm doing well. I won't be like around much or saying much on Twitter, but doing well over here. And I'm Re Carter. Uh, it's Re Re Carter on Twitter. R H I R H I C A R T E R. And I have a video game out. It's called Echo Royale, and it's like Flappy Bird, except it's multiplayer, and it's going to be on. By, the, by now it should be on Android and Steam, and on Steam it only costs a dollar, so you should go get it. So look up either Echo Royale or my uh, studio Dead Genre, and you should find it, and it's all Vaporwave, and it's fun, and we're really proud of it. So that's what I have going on. And I'm so proud of you. I don't I don't know if I say this enough, but I am actually really proud of you for getting that game out. It's amazing. I'm and the work, too. Yeah, the work that y'all have put into it is fantastic. Love you to pieces. Thanks. No problem. That is a moment of gay brought to you by us. So yeah, as always, just because it's bad doesn't mean it isn't good. And thanks again for joining us. We'll see you all again in two weeks. And uh, enjoy. We'll love you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.